1: Welcome, welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly.
0: And I am your co-host, Austin, and I am fired up because the Kansas City Chiefs are going back to back.
1: We are going to the Super Bowl. And if you're
0: listening to this and it's Monday morning and you don't give a damn about the Chiefs, hooray. And if you do, then you're hyped.
1: Yes. So excited. I'm like
0: screaming happy in a crazy good mood, going to try not to talk too much during this episode. (laughs) Let's go.
1: We caught a really hyper Austin for this episode. Woo! Yes. Yeah, so are you ready? Born. Without further ado, we're just going to jump in. I don't have any We're intros. jumping in. We going to BS
0: with you guys. You guys got on the podcast to listen to mystery, not to listen to sports talk radio, not to listen to chatter.
1: Okay. So today we are talking about the murder of Molly Tibbetts. So this case hits really close to home for me. I feel like I say that about every case, but it's usually for various reasons. So I resonate with this case because I have been a runner, and those of you who enjoy running will really resonate with this story, too. I ran my first half marathon in 2018, and in order order to train for that, I did multiple runs per week, often outside and sometimes by myself. I would usually go during the daytime in hopes that that would make me safer, but the story I'm about to tell you makes me reconsider ever running outside alone again, day or night. So... This is the Already story. Already sounds pretty spooky. Of Molly Tibbetts.
0: Let's go. Drive right into it.
1: Okay, so Molly Cecilia Tibbetts was born on May 8th, 1998 in San Francisco, California. Growing up, Molly was a very dynamic little girl. She loved to read. In fact, in an article in the Des Moines Register... Her parents recall a time when she was just a baby, and they found this little chewed up, they found like little chewed up balls of paper on the carpet near her crib. And they thought they had mice, but once they pulled her sheets back, they found the remnants of a little cardboard book that apparently Molly had been gnawing on. And it was at this very young age that she had a devoted interest in books and reading. And her parents read to her every night. There was a love of Harry Potter throughout the house, and their dad would reenact scenes from popular characters of the franchise. I never read Harry Potter, so.
0: I never read it, but J.K. Rowling has made a ton of money off that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very popular very successful, I know a lot of people who have read
0: it. Yeah, successful deal.
1: So that just kind of catapulted her interest in reading it. it started with Harry Potter, and then, of course, her taste matured as she got older. She was a very smart little girl, though. Uh, Molly went to Corpus Christi, a Catholic school in Piedmont, California.
0: Which you'd think it would be in Texas, but it's not.
1: (laughs) The principal described Molly as cute as a button, and there wasn't a mean bone in Molly's body, and she said, you just couldn't help but love her. When Molly was in the second grade, her parents divorced and moved to a small town in Iowa. She was active in her school's choir at a young age and throughout high school, by her senior year of high school, she was, leader. she was a leader in her school's choir, and she was also in speech competitions and received a lot of accolades for her work, making it to state-level competitions during each year that she was on the team. So she was a very smart writer, she was very articulate, just an impressive girl. Um, She was also on the track team, running primarily distance events, but she was never really super competitive. She was just there to have fun and run. And after the event, her parents said that she would often talk more about the people and friends she'd made rather than how she placed. So ultimately, she was a very smart, um, very uplifting, and just somebody that everybody wanted to be around. And her parents found it very important to remind followers of this case that Molly had her quirks, just as every you know, average teenage girl would. And it was very important to Molly's dad not to paint her as like Saint Molly because she truly was just your average teenage girl. But she did have a huge heart of gold.
0: The principal describes her exact opposite of how principals would describe me.
1: Yeah. How would, how would principals describe you, Austin? An a-hole. Oh, my gosh. No, they wouldn't. Henri.
0: Probably three quarters of them would say I was an a-hole and one would like me.
1: Yeah, but now that they know you and oh well, nowadays done, yeah, you know, well
0: I've grown up. But they in high school, shocked. I was an a hole.
1: Yeah, they're probably shocked who to wasn't? see what you've done with your life.
0: Who wasn't in high school? Kind of like I,
1: mean, I don't think I was.
0: Well, I'm yeah, I get that. Let's keep going. I don't talk about this anymore. It hurts my feelings. <laughs>
1: Molly had a boyfriend named Dalton Jack. They met after a football game and became pretty serious. Even after graduation, they stayed together. Molly ended up going to the University of Iowa to study psychology. And after finishing her first year of college, she moved back home with her mom in Brooklyn, Iowa, to take summer classes.
0: That's a heck of an adjustment. What? From San Francisco to Iowa.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, they moved there when they when she was in, I think second grade is what I said. So, um, she spent the majority of her life in Iowa.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Brooklyn, Iowa is a pretty small town of about 1500 people and it's about 70 miles east of Des Moines. Um, if you pr- pronounce it Des Moines or Des Moines, you can just go ahead and swipe right on out of this podcast. Cause do that is wrong. people do that? Yeah.
0: People people pronounce Des Moines Des Moines.
1: Yeah, Des Moines, Des Moines.
0: Oh, gosh. It is
1: Des Moines. Hmm. In June of 2008, that's so besides the point. In June of 2018, her father remarried, and although they lived far apart, Molly and her dad maintained a close relationship. But the last time he physically saw Molly was at his wedding. And, I mean, they would have long conversations on the phone, sometimes three hours every phone session so they were super close um, even though they lived far apart okay so on July 18th of 2018 Molly left her boyfriend's house to go for an evening jog at around 7 30 p.m in summer it still would have been a little bit light outside but the sun is definitely like kind of starting to set it's probably like dusk Shortly before she left, she sent her boyfriend Dalton a Snapchat, and he could tell that she was in, inside the house at the time that she sent it, but he didn't open it until about 10 o'clock that night. Molly was dog-sitting for Dalton while he was out of town with his brother for work in Dubuque, Iowa, which is about 130 miles away. The next morning, Dalton sent her a good morning text, and she didn't respond, and then he got a phone call from her co saying that she didn't show up for work that morning and didn't warn them that she wouldn't be there. This was totally unlike Molly. So Dalton's concern started to grow. He called her parents, who immediately sprung into action. Police were notified, and people from the community started preparing search teams to look for her. So everyone just kind of like bolted into action to find her. They were searching farmland, ditches, just anywhere they can think of in hopes of finding Molly. When Molly went for her run, she was wearing her Fitbit watch, and so people hoped that that might help them track her via GPS. However, whatever information they did obtain for her, from her Fitbit, they were unwilling to share it.
0: Fitbit was?
1: No, the, the police. They were unwilling to share it. <clears throat> really? hmm They also noted that surveillance footage showed a, a Chevy Malibu driving back and forth in the area <laughs> where Molly was running. So that was kind of suspicious. hmm uh-huh. Over the coming weeks, police received hundreds of leads and raised over $366,000 for a reward in any information that would lead to Molly's whereabouts. One of the tips they received led them to Kearney, Missouri, and someone thought that they saw Molly at a truck stop there, but it turned out to be a false lead. Wow. Police also searched a local man Wayne Cheney's pig farm, and held his cell phone overnight in hopes that it might lead to some tips regarding her whereabouts. But during this search, um, someone did find a red shirt that appeared to be Molly's, just not Molly. Um, and I think what led them to Wayne Cheney's place was just a tip. I don't know. I couldn't find the information regarding Wayne Cheney specifically, but what I do know is that he's ruled out as a suspect eventually, so it doesn't really matter.
0: And through reading it, were you, was there enough information to develop whether or not like you thought he should have been ruled out or whether he was a suspect?
1: Right, yes. I'm confident that he had nothing to do well, with it. You do it. feel
0: confident about yeah. that?
1: Yeah, so Wayne Cheney was just someone that they were interested in, and then they.
0: Was there just not enough connect? Like, what made you feel that way?
1: So you'll find out. Okay. On August 5th, police find the body of a young woman in her early 20s, about an hour away from where Molly went missing. But oddly enough, it was not Molly. It was a woman named Sadie, Sadie Alvarado or Alvarado. Sadie was in a car with her boyfriend, Damian Harmon, um, or maybe it's Heyman, ah, Heyman. I'm not sure, but Damien is her boyfriend. When they started fighting while he was driving, she jumped out of his moving vehicle and suffered from blunt force trauma to her head
0: oh my and died.
1: Um, although it's unclear as to if that happened before or after she jumped out of his truck, but he said that um she jumped out and he just assumed she'd be fine, she'd get up and like walk to a friend's house. So
0: he just kept going. So he just
1: kept going. But oh so she died. Yeah, but anyway, so people thought that was Molly. I mean, just how random is it that you're like searching for this young girl? In
0: middle of nowhere, Iowa. And
1: you, yeah, and like you come across one, but it's not Molly. It's just like, how odd is that?
0: really upsetting for the family.
1: Yeah, for For both both families. families, but yeah. Yeah, so August 15th, Molly's parents met with Mike Pence on Air Force Two. He emphasized the federal government would do anything they could, whatever they could, and provide resources to help um, with the search for Molly. And he also took a moment during his speech later that day to address Molly's disappearance and her family. So this is getting like nationwide recognition. And mm-hmm. I actually remember seeing posts because she's a beautiful girl. Long brown hair, big brown eyes, a beautiful smile. She was a really pretty girl. I mean, I remember seeing posts about her on Facebook when they were searching for her because she was gone for like a month. Mm. So on Tuesday, August 24th, a little more than a month after Molly went missing, police came in contact with the owner of that suspicious Chevy Malibu. His name was Christian Ramirez. And he was 24 at the time, working at a nearby dairy farm under a false name. He was known as a good employee who showed up to work on time and got along well with his coworkers. When he got the job, he passed a background check through an outdated system. But again, he was using a false name with an out-of-state government identification. After Molly's disappearance, he kept showing up for work, and his coworkers said that nobody could tell a difference in his demeanor. So when police confronted him about his vehicle being in the area where Molly was last seen, he just confessed. He said that he was following Molly while she was running, and she must have noticed because she told him to stop or she was going to call 911. After this threat, he said he just blacked out, and the next thing he knew, Molly was in his trunk with blood on her head. What? So he dumped her body in a secluded location and ended up leading the police right to the spot where she was where she was, and he was immediately charged with murder. The and they found her? Goodness. She was right
0: there. So yeah. it was all just he would just spill the truth.
1: Yeah. He just came right out and said it. What? Yeah. The preliminary autopsy results showed that Molly died from multiple sharp force in- injuries, indicating that she was stabbed to death.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: The day after Molly's body was found, her death was instantly politicized and used as an emotional plea as to why the U.S. needed to build the wall along the Mexican border. And tighten up their immigration laws, but Molly's family was really quick to grab hold of the reins of this story. Her dad emphasized that Molly is nobody's victim in this story, and he implored politicians, including Trump, to stop using her story for political gain, especially when it was to bash illegal immigrants. Molly's dad said the Hispanic community are Iowans. They have the same values as Iowans. As far as I'm concerned, they are Iowans with better food. And he denounced those who appropriate Molly's soul in advancing views that she believed were profoundly racist.
0: Man, it really sucks to have, I mean, I don't care what side you're on, nothing to do with that. It's not even the conversation. Right. It sucks to have that, like you lose your daughter and then her her name is immediately, the story is immediately used for gain in any way, political right. gain, uh, racial, any
1: uh, society
0: view, division, anything. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it totally takes. It's already away rough,
0: from,
1: right? It yeah. takes away
0: from like her legacy or her story. Of Absolutely,
1: her. Yeah, right? That's sad. Uh, on August twenty second, Christian was officially charged with first degree murder, and raised his and the the judge raised his bond from one million dollars to five million since he was deemed a flight risk. And on September nineteenth of twenty eighteen, he pled not guilty. Not guilty. That, not guilty. That blows my mind. I don't after know how you, that's gonna work.
0: When, would it, when was that?
1: 2018. So, yeah, this all happened in like August and September of 2018. Right. And his trial still has not begun due to COVID-19. Okay, okay
0: that's where I was confused. And yeah. he pled not guilty.
1: He, he's pleading not guilty.
0: When you came out and said, hey, yeah, here you go. Here's right. the body. Here's he everything I he led them
1: right to her. Like, that's interesting. How else could he have known where she was? I mean. That's interesting. Yeah, none of it makes sense. Um, so there are a lot of questions as to whether or not Christian's rights were violated during the investigation because he doesn't speak English. And so his defense is arguing that his conversations with law enforcement should not be used against him since he didn't fully since he may not have fully understood what it was they were asking. Um so I think that's part of their defense here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll be really disappointed if he gets away with like if he gets acquitted over a technicality like that. Um, I can't our, imagine yeah. that that'll happen, That's but crazy. you just never know. So with when the is justice it set system. for? So as of now, his pre pre-trial, pretrial hearing is set for April 15th of this year, and his trial has been rescheduled for May 17th of this year. Huh. So Molly's younger brother and his football team memorialized Molly by printing her initials on their jerseys. Her group of friends created an online group called the Molly Movement, and it encouraged people to be kind to each other in Molly's honor. And then in an incredible act of grace, Molly's mother offered up her home to someone who is, he does happen to be an illegal immigrant, an acquaintance and an acquaintance of Molly's killer. He needed a place to stay while he he finished his senior year of high school, and his parents were leaving town. But it was very important to all of them that he graduate. And it was actually Molly's brother, Scott, who came to their mom asking if they could help this young boy. She just hopes, yeah, I mean...
0: That's like an incredibly insanely nice gesture gesture
1: yeah but it just goes to show you like what the, the character yeah this whole family's character i mean mm-hmm. like molly was an astounding young woman she was a leader she won speech competitions and she often spoke in front of like her teammates you know for track but also for speech just like to motivate people mm-hmm. um and she you know that's how people remember her It's just this person that everyone wanted to be around like a light You know, like it's so cliche to be like, oh, she just when she walked into a room, it lit up. But I think that probably really, really was true for Molly.
0: Right. Gosh, that's wild.
1: Yeah. So her mom says that she just hopes that this would be a chance for him and the community to see the kindness that was blessed upon Molly's family and that they see that and choose to pay it forward. Very cool. So I want to point out a few things that we, as runners, can do to keep ourselves safe during our runs. And I found these tips on runnersconnect.com. So the first tip is to run with pepper spray. Um, also you can run with an easy personal safety device and this particular site recommends the run angel and it's like a small device that you wear on your wrist. And if you get into trouble and you press this button, the device will emit a loud emergency alarm and it'll also send direct notifications back to anyone that you choose through the app.
0: That's cool.
1: Yeah. That one's really cool. Also your dad got me this really cool, um, Taser because he knows I like he he knows I like to run and sometimes I run by myself so he got me this really cool Taser and it like loops around your fingers so Lightly. you don't really have to yeah so you don't have to like hold it in a in a fist it loops around your fingers and um, it acts as a flashlight and also a Taser so. Yeah, it's really lightweight. You just keep it charged. Mm-hmm. Um, avoid running with headphones so that you can be aware of what's going on around you. That one's really tough for me. So yeah. a lot of times, like, if I do have headphones on, I'll keep one of the headphones off of my ear mm-hmm. so that I can hear what's going on. Um, change up your daily routine because if someone is paying attention, they could get used to what your routine is. So change it up so that nobody can you know, predict where you're going to go. Um, also let, let close friends or family know when you're leaving for a run and when you're expected to be back, let them know where you plan on running. So they have an idea of where you are, which
0: is like the most simple thing ever. And so important. Like whenever Kelly goes running, I, we have a thorough conversation about it.
1: Right. And often I don't run alone. I run
0: with friends mostly
1: with a friend or like a very populated area, like in a neighborhood with lots of houses and
0: the, um, I'll, t- I'll say something that's r- random, but this stuck with me ever since I was younger. I might have got this off of Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know. I don't know where I got this, but a random kind of self-defense kind of awareness thing. It's more of awareness, not self-defense, is whenever you're walking places, whether you're walking into a building or you're walking alongside a building or cars, look at your reflect. Look look behind you in the reflection. I, it's so weird. I don't know. This is really random, but I heard that when I was younger and it's always stuck with me. So every time I'm like like I don't even think I've ever told you this, but yeah. like when I'm walking in a gas station, there's doors that mm. are glass and there's glass windows and I'm always watching like behind me to just in watching car windows and stuff just to see if somebody's running up on you. It's mm. just kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Worth noting.
1: Yeah, and if you can, you know, there's times I pay attention and if something looks suspicious, then maybe try to memorize part of their license plate like you know it's really sad that this is the world we live in, but that's the unfortunate truth. This is just the world we live in. You have and to it's be not careful. That, I
0: mean, yeah, I agree with you. It's not that it's like a horrible place. You just, it's being aware of being careful. Right.
1: I mean, I know Molly went out never suspecting that, you know, she would be abducted and attacked and killed on a run. I mean, yeah. th- this story is so common. There's other stories too that I've seen um, where girls go for a run and then they go missing. and. Right. It's terrifying, and it's especially terrifying for females.
0: It's just so simple; it's such a simple way to, I, I don't know. It's it's not anything intricate. Like, oh, I went for a run, and somebody took me. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what it is, and that's just crazy. Right. It's really sad. So,
1: so Molly gave a speech to other runners right before an event, um, shortly before she she was killed, and she was encouraging everyone to embrace their talents. And she said. Even if you're just a good person, that's one of the best things you can be good at.
0: That's really cool.
1: So that is what I wanted to end this episode with. It is a short one. We'll be back later this week with the Lululemon murders. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Mama mystery out. Bye.